The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's happening, Bears fans? We are in the middle of the only true offseason in the NFL, the time between OTAs and minicamps, and the time before the players actually report to training camp. You know, this team is pretty much all on vacation right now, and the only real news we're picking up is is how these guys are working out, or if anyone gets into some trouble, uh, which hasn't happened in Chicago for the last couple of years. Hopefully, that stays the same. Um, but but we've still been cranking out plenty of Chicago Bears content at Windy City Gridiron, and also on our WCG podcast channel. Um, it's been live with Robert Schmidt's Spare with Me and Jeff Burkus and EJ Snyder's Bears over Beers. They've just been cranking out episode after episode. So great job, guys, on that. And also, you know, thanks for checking out this latest episode of my show. This is T-Formation Conversation. My name is Lester A. Wolfong Jr., and I am the editor-in-chief of the aforementioned Windy City Gridiron, and it does feel good to put on the old headset and get back to recording so I can talk a little bit about the Chicago Bears with you guys. You know, I have been MIA uh, for the last few months as I finished up school, but now that I graduated, yes, I'm done. Thank you very much. I hope to get back to a weekly schedule to talk some Chicago Bears in the NFL with you guys right here on T-Formation Conversation. So, today, I'm going to answer some of your questions that I got off Twitter, uh, but first, I want to get on the Skype line with a man that has been in and around the Chicago national media for years. He's covered some of the biggest sporting events live. He's on the radio all the time. He's on TV all the time. He's a member of our SB Nation family as well, as he is the co-host of the Let's Get Weird Sports podcast. He also runs his own website that you can find at thesportsbank.net, and he recently wrote a book titled, No, I Can't Get You Free Tickets, so... Paul M. Banks, thanks for taking some time out of your busy day to tell a little bit about the Bears and your new book. Hi, thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, you know, first things first, I got to ask you, as a fellow writer that uses his middle initial professionally, does it bother you when people leave it off when introducing you or, or writing about you or quoting you in one of their articles? Kind of, but mostly the reason I do it is to differentiate from the lead singer of Interpol, Paul Banks, oh. and then... So when you got like a celebrity name and also to just for Google purposes. So, I mean, I'd rather they use it definitely makes a difference, but really only so much um, on the computer side. You know, I, I, I always think like the middle initial gives a little more, uh, more flair to a name. And, and, and I always give the same excuse too. When I tell people, I, I have to differentiate from the other Lester Wolfong out there when I use mine. 
Who is the other Lester? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's just my dad. <laughs> so I'm the junior. So actually, I, I use it as uh, my, my full name is kind of a nod to him, just kind of uh, just, just to, to, to help me think of him when I see his name. I'm the junior. He's a senior. So that's really my only reason. But like I said, I think the A, the middle initial kind of gives you a little bit of a flair. So it looks cooler. I would agree with that. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's like a little added spice to your meal. Yeah, I had no idea what those, that was another Paul Banks out there. I had no idea. There's also a German folk singer, and there's another Paul M. Banks who's a dentist in New Jersey. <laughs> okay, well, as long as, he's, as long as you aren't pulling teeth, I think we're okay. <laughs> All right, so before we get into the book, I want to ask you a question about the, uh, the state of sports media today. Uh, you know, social media in particular, Twitter, has really changed a lot of how sports are covered. Uh, the ability to read news on the go on your phone or tablet, you know, it's 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 been a real game changer. Um, so, so do you think traditional print media will always have a place in our culture, or do you think it's dying like like so many other journalists out there think? I think what's going to be a transition of the beat reporter for the newspaper is still going to be your given expert on on said team in a, in in every market, but they're just going to have to transition to. Uh, the web presence or, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm old enough to have gotten into this game where there were print guys and there were radio guys and there were TV guys. And, you know, the funnest part about writing this book is, of course, doing the shows and everything, but I've seen it evolve now to a point where you can't be one thing. you got to do all of it just yeah. to even survive. You know, when I first started, I was just, you know, just kind of came in this by accident. I just kind of was blogging about the Bears, and you know, next thing you know, I get, you know, I, I'm start, I'm doing shows and guest spots, and, you know, I get the gig of SB Nation. It's like, you know, this kind of is interesting, and that's kind of why I decided to go back to school to kind of try and make this, you know, writing thing real. But but, but I have a lot of respect for you guys that have done it from, from the get-go. I mean, it's, it's a tough business to crack into. Yeah, and it's um, really, I mean, everything's about connections. Everything's yeah. about who you know in every field, and... Everything's about flukiness and timing, and everything's hard these days. So you may as well just go for what you really want to do. I would say, and you know, the really interesting change for me is I recently covered a film festival, and afterwards they sent out this um, kind of strongly worded email to everybody about, "Well, we want to see what you wrote, and you know, next year going to be tougher on who we give access to," and they said social media posts do not count as coverage. Wow. And I'm shy. And yeah, okay, that's true. You know, you should write a story, but I'm surprised by that because most brands or most things will tell you that's what they want the most these days. Well, it seems like Twitter gets more engagement than actual articles at some and, and, and for, for some mediums. Oh, good God. Yeah. When I went to the Martellus Bennett um, book signing and book reading, I got tons of interactions on Instagram and Twitter for, uh, Marty Soros Rex, Marty Soros Rex, but the stories, crickets chirping, yeah. just tumbleweed. These days, it's all about the headline. If you got a catchy headline on Twitter, that's really all people want to talk about. Right, because they just read the headline. Yeah. And they don't read the story. It can get really frustrating if someone puts like you know uh, five, six, seven hundred words in an article or, or even longer, and, and and they have like a catchy headline that kind of gets people to come and see their content, and it's like kind of just goes crickets. Exactly, and you know, uh, Marty had like the whole theme of his reading and his and his um, that day at the bookstore was, you know, I am so much more than an athlete, and being an artist and being an intellectual and. 
being a writer, a creator, a painter is so much more fun and interesting than sports. And the ideas that he had to say, you, I mean, that's a thousand word essay. So unfortunately it got lost. And what people took away is just, you know, the photo of him standing, you know, reading his book. So yeah, it's, 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 it's not fair, but you know, it is what it is. We have to play the game these days. Exactly. We don't have a choice, do we? <laughs> so the book, no, I can't get you free tickets. I'm about halfway through it right now. Uh, to be honest, I haven't got it all the way through, but it's uh, it's it's cool stuff. It's a lot of your old articles, a bunch of a bunch of thoughts on those articles. So, so basically, what inspired you to write this book? Well, I realized there hadn't really been a sports media book done since uh, the classic by another a local figure, Jerome Holtzman, in 1971, um, titled "No Cheering in the Press Box" and I kind of thought, well, that's such a great title. That's something every sports writer can relate to. And that's how I came up with the title for mine is every single person who works in this industry, not just the sports writers, but everybody just who kind of <laughs> any, anybody who gets paid to go to the stadium on any level is going to relate to that title yeah. because they know what it's like to, to get that, to have somebody say that to you. And it was a chance for me to take my greatest hits to take uh, that's my cat Otis, by the <laughs> way. He's, um, he's a regular on these podcasts, and kind of put it all together and look back at a decade and see where have I changed? Where is the field changed? Where's it going? And it's something that I think everybody who works in sports media would be interested in because that's what that was my inspiration was to look back on how the field has evolved because it with with technology changing so fast, uh, the medium has as well and kind of look at where it's going. And, and in, in that sense, I had a book that I wanted a book for 2019 where you can just pick it up in the middle anywhere and read it, or you can read it straight through if you want, because the way things are today, I feel, because if it's a book that you got to read straight through, that's more challenging. That's a bigger ask of the reader because then they have to go back to where do they leave off? What was going on then? You know, this is something you can read in snippets. Well, what, what I did, I kind of picked and choose. I went through, of course, all the Chicago Bears stuff first. And then I kind of went back and started going through what I missed there. So, but, but like I said, so far, I mean, it's really fun, really easy to read, really cool stuff. Um, but, and, and the, the title, of course, grabbed me as well because, you know, I'm not at the level as you are. I'm, I'm not on the beat. You know, I'm not actually going to the venues or stuff. But, but every now and then I get friends that ask me if I have a, a, a link on getting free tickets. I'm like, dude, I'm just, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just with uh, SB Nation. I'm not really part of the Bears organization. They, they, they don't not get the disconnect. They, they don't understand it. Well, SB Nation's a pretty big name. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. With uh, Vox Media and with um, all the, you know, guys, uh, the investors that got involved. So I can kind of see that because there are a lot of dudes uh, at Press Row for um, SB Nation and stuff. But then that depends on the caliber of the event. I mean, the NFL, certainly the NFL, so... Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been great for what I do, and it's, you know, our site has been booming and, and all the NFL sites, but... You know, but uh, if there is a way to get some free tickets, you know, I, I guess I'll join that bandwagon. If you get any tickets, let me know. <laughs> There's some dude out there. I don't know who he is, but he shows up in my inbox all the time. And he he sent out like an email. He had two free Cubs tickets today. And oh man, I've like Google searched him, and I've like tried to trace back the steps in my life to figure out who this guy is. But he emails me like I'm his best friend. So. <laughs> 
I I am gonna take use his free cup tickets at some point. There you go. The, you got you got to do it. So so and then so, when I see him in person, then maybe that'll like jog my memory. Oh, you're the guy from the thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> How are the kids? There you what? go. There you uh, go. Fake it, fake it till you make it. Here you go. So, so basically, your book starts off with a fantastic Jay Cutler story, and and, and I got to say, I find it fascinating that Cutler is still a relevant topic in Chicago a few years after his his last nap for the Bears. But can you share the quick uh, Cliff Notes version of your Cutler story? Sure. I mean, the version that I've told, like at, at on stage with the Laugh Factory or on different shows. Um, you know, it, it's like the three minute version, but I can just kind of give you the gist of it because. Well, actually, it kind of that's kind of goes with the whole moral of the story of what we've been saying. If you can reduce things in life to a catchphrase or a soundbite, and that's what works, is it's a high end sushi restaurant. Um, it's in the same building. Well, it doesn't. The restaurant is out of business today, but it was in the same building where BTN is located, right on the river. Um, he Jay goes into a bathroom. He's at the urinal, and some guy starts fawning over him, <laughs> and he's just like, "Jay, we went to the same. We were, we went to. I went to Vanderbilt. We were some of the people I used to run track in the SEC." And Jay just cuts him off, like in the middle of whatever his thought, and looks like he goes, "Don't care." It's typical, Jay. It's awesome. That's that's one of the legendary stories. You always hear about it, like him having the, the don't care attitude. But it's it's rare to have an actual uh, uh, report. And then the thing I love about what you did is you actually tracked down an eyewitness to the bathroom incident. Right, and then chapter two in the book is the guy describing it, and it, it's interesting how he the eyewitness says. <laughs> Sort of the same thing that Jay says the one time he's spoken publicly on it. Yeah. In that Jay kind of delivered it more to the tone of, uh, don't care. Yeah. Not, don't care. Like, he didn't, like, elongated scream it. It was more of a short, terse delivery. And both are awesome. Both work great. Yeah. Especially and, with, with, with seeing more of him on the, uh, on, on the TV show now, we get a little more peek into his actual personality. Right, and you see, that's why this um, story has had so much life, and it's been, um, you know, it, it's been to me what I'm Too Sexy was for the band Right Foot Fred. <laughs> that's your, that's your one-hit wonder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so were, you, were you pro or anti Jay Cutler during his playing career for the Bears? See, I, I would say he was, I would, I'd go on this, he's the greatest passer in Bears history. Okay. But I would not say he's the best quarterback. Yeah. And um, that's a thing. Like, Jay is such a lightning rod. You can get into such great debates about, um, you know, I mean, Jim McMahon was a game manager. But yeah. you know what? He got things done and people believed in him. And I just, I think as a quarterback, you have to have all of it. And I think Jay got shafted in where he ranked on the top 100 list. I think okay. he could have been higher. But, um, yeah, so my answer to I. My answer is pro and con at the same time. I okay, yeah, I, I was always a big fan of Cutler. You know, I kind of realized what he was early on in his career. I, I, he was never going to be the next Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. You know, he was going to be a guy that that could win you some games. He'd lose you some games, and if he had a bunch of good players around him, he'd be good for you. But the 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 level that f- many fans tried to put him at, 
just wasn't fair to him, and it kind of hurt, I think, his legacy in Chicago because he was a he was an above average quarterback. I mean, he was kind of in that that ten to fifteen range most of his career, but a lot of fans wanted more, especially with the big trade. Yeah, because that was the first time the Bears have had uh, a real physical talent, a real special arm and skill set, and all the hype, like you said, you know, the trade, there was so much hype to it. And some of the comparisons over the years, like I, people compared him to Jeff George. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of brutal. That's harsh. But I could see where they're coming from. You are talking about somebody who did not live up to what they could have given their arm talent. And, and you know, Jeff George was the guy that, you know, had a couple of great years and then flamed out. And with Cutler, it was always about – but he was fun to watch because even when he was going to screw things up <laughs> – he was so unlikable that you kind of wanted to watch it to see him screw up. So that was fun in itself. You know, it's funny because I, I kind of liked his attitude. I liked his, uh, for better lack of term, his don't care attitude. I kind of liked the way he was, the way he was the media. I kind of liked that he didn't do always the canned response like Peyton Manning gave. And with color, you kind of got what you got, and you either dealt with it or you didn't. Well, that's why it's beautiful uh, in reality television, and that's why. Yeah. It was about his wife, and he's stealing the show away yes. from her because he's more entertaining, and that's where. Yeah, I don't. I, you know, I you you make a good point. <laughs> like the guy who says who says nothing to the media but says it in a nice way, isn't any better than the guy who um, is just surly and yeah. and office and an insouciant. And to be honest, I do kind of. There was a part of me that always admired that for sure. I mean. The reason that the don't care story works um, with me and with me telling it is I've got some don't care in me. Here. <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> so, so you mentioned a little earlier about the uh, the hundred list and, and with this being the Bears, uh, the hashtag Bears 100 season, you know, it gives fans a chance to get nostalgic, gives those of us that actually write and talk about the Bears an excuse to, to look into the history books. And you mentioned a top 100 Bears list of all time, the one from uh, uh, Dan Pompey and, and Don Pearson. Um, I guess that'd be the official Bears list since they actually are promoting the book that it was about, that was in it. Uh, they had Cutler ranked at 85. Um, so you think he was too low on that list. Terrible, terrible. Where did you have him on your list? We had him on our list at 60, and the uh, Tribune actually had him at 78. So, so who do you think got it closest to being right? I would go 50, 55-ish. So okay. I, I like your list. I mean, I guess by just saying that, I guess I like Jay Cutler more than I had let on or what I had said before. But, you know, I, I, I think because our, our list, we had we had six six of us total to kind of – we all had we, – we, it was like a weird situation. We all put in uh, uh, 15 at a time. We ranked our top 15 at a time. And then we kind of ranked them by points, and it was this big – I'm not sure how the math works. I'm not – good at math but but a couple of our guys were uh, Jeff Berkison and Sam House sort of they kind of spearheaded the whole thing and so it was six of us kind of voting on the stuff and I guess the interesting thing is is uh, none of the six were were really Jay haters uh, we all kind of accepted him for what he was and and just look at what his career was yeah he wasn't the 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 greatest quarterback of all time in Chicago that's obviously Sid Luckman um, but but he did a lot of stuff with some pretty poor talent I mean his top receiver for a few years was 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 not very talented, and and when he finally got Brandon Marshall and had a few chances to get some some talent around him, you know the rest of his offense wasn't the best. So, 
this is one of the situations where we kind of had to take a look at Jay Cutler as a whole, uh, take a look at what he brought to the team, to the franchise. I mean, he made the Bears relevant for a little while. Um, he did get him in the playoffs, and uh, you know, he did have him playing well before he got hurt. So we had to put him where we had him. Yeah, I was always one of the big defenders over um, the 2010 uh, NFC Championship game. I felt that he's hurt. You should have just put him inside. He shouldn't have been sitting there. Yeah. And um, I thought it was kind of funny where, like, Caleb Haney or whoever it was. Yeah, it was Haney. Is, like, looking at him with the, with the playbook. And he's like, well, we're supposed to be doing this. And Jay just had the, like, don't care, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then afterward, when um, he's walking around and TMZ gets the photos where he's shopping and people yeah. lost their minds. It's like, yeah, dude, everyday life walking <laughs> around is not the same. This is three hundred pound man yeah. kill you. He's 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 walking into Macy's and not he's not dodging a a, a a big fat tubby defensive tackle from the Packers trying to kill him. BJ Raji, <laughs> right? Yeah. So exactly, so, exactly. So, so so how do you see Cutler his legacy? Obviously, you know he's we're still kind of close to what he was here in Chicago. Um, but but how do you see his legacy? You know, through the next generation of Bears fans, someone that's more you know more uh, taken away, maybe twenty five years on the road, looking back at, at that that era of Bears because there were a couple good teams here with Lovey Smith and with Jay Cutler, and you know it wasn't all bad. So you think the 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 next generation will look at Cutler a little more favorably than some fans do now, or you think he's always going to have that polarizing thing about him? I think it's all going to depend on whether the Bears quarterback history improves working or stays the same. Yeah. Because you didn't have, until like Ron Turner, offensive coordinator, Dave Wanstead, Air Chicago with uh, Jeff Graham and Curtis Conway and Eric Kramer. Like that was, oh my God, we're finally in the modern era of an actual NFL passing offense. It's funny. You think of the greatest off the corners in Bears history and Ron Turner's name pops up. Exactly. (laughs) That's not not a a good thing. No, not unless like you're really into fullback (laughs) screens and tight end (laughs) lag routes. So hopefully that's all in the past. We got Matt Nagy now. Uh, the offense looks much much better. Obviously, it's more modern. Obviously, we got the Andy Reid system. Matt Nagy's putting his own twist on it. So, so I think Bears are in good hands now with him and Mitch Trubisky. Well, how about you? Yeah, I I think you know I I was you know skeptical when they traded a lot to move up just one spot, but um, you know this season was a very pleasant surprise and. I, I am a guy who believes that a lot is on the quarterback win or lose, and he's the leader. And, you know, maybe maybe they were right about this kid. And, you know, I mean, his stats were inflated by one game, obviously. But um, if he can tune to be, like, the guy, then that will change Cutler's legacy a lot. If people yeah. start to look at, okay, this is what you need as a quarterback. Like, you don't. It's it's a tailback driven franchise, and eventually that's going to have to change. So I got one more quick thing about Cutler here. You you actually interviewed former Bear and teammate of Cutler's Brandon Marshall in 2015 about his Showtime gig uh, inside the NFL, and when you asked him about Jay Cutler, he went silent. Well, what was that tension like when you're talking to him? Well, I was in New York. It was at the uh, NFL and CBS Media Day, and this was like. Um, I'd been to it. This is the last one that I went to. I went to three of them. It was kind of like the first one was like, oh my god, all the like heroes when you were a kid. 
Like, there's Dan Marino, there's Boomer Esiason, there's all these um, great players that are now uh, talking heads. But with Brandon Marshall, this was... He had done the Showtime... Um, he had the segment, he had the reoccurring segment on Showtime that drew a lot of criticism. Yeah. Because uh, he was the first guy to do a national show and do the commute or whatever. And then when I was talking to him, this was heading into the second year that he was doing it, but he was on the jet, so it wasn't as much of a big deal with Showtime being based in New York, but um, it was, I always called it my Frost Nixon <laughs> movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> you've got two people with very different agendas, and we're both sitting there trying to get, it's one of the most memorable interviews of my life. Nice. With, without a doubt, it had to be in the book, and um, it was the type of interview in which, and you know, this is something I had just read about. I believe it was Jimmy Cannon or it was Red Smith, uh, in, in no cheering the press box about you start off an interview light and, you know, easier questions. And then you don't go for the jugular until later, until your time is up anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and that was kind of a thing. Like I, I had, I really did not waste much time until asking him about the backlash and the controversy and about Cutler and everything. And it was just like, yeah, so you and Jay are cool, right? And he just shook my hand and he's like, all right, time to go. He ended it right there? He did. Wow. It, it, just, and it just ceased. And I, I'm trying to think, what was the last question I asked him before that one, because it, it had already been, like, rapping by that point. Uh, like, I could see I had reached um, as far as I was going to go with him before that. Um, oh, that's right. That's what he did. Um, here, here's the open. – I'll read uh, the opening passage from that chapter. Nice. Um, as loquacious as Brandon Marshall tends to be, there are topics he considers off-limits. During an exclusive interview with me during NFL Media Day on CBS, the current New York Jet politely declined to offer his thoughts on the 2015 Bears. No, I won't talk about the Bears right now, he said. Marshall ended the interview, albeit in a cordial manner, when asked if he's currently cool with Bears quarterback Jay Cutler. The, the conversation ceased without a response. <laughs> yeah, I guess that could have been pretty a lot of tension at the time. Yeah, so um, I don't know if they've made peace with each other now, but obviously all those rumors about them not getting along were pretty much confirmed on that day. Yeah, it was a weird situation when they kind of had their falling out. It was kind of came out of nowhere. It was like uh, it was like they were they were cool one minute, and then all of a sudden something happened in the media where you're like, is there tension? And then you know, of course, the the Cutler and Marshall wouldn't talk about it, and then it just kind of happened. Well, that's one thing. Um, win or lose. Uh, up or down, the Bears have always excelled at, at controlling the message and keeping information on lock. Yes, that, that still continues this day with uh, tight-lipped Ryan Pace and his uh, current group of scouts. So that, that's, that's, that's typical. So, so I'm, I'm talking to journalist and author Paul M. Banks about his fantastic new book, No, I Can't Get You Free Tickets. And you can follow Paul on Twitter, at Paul M. Banks. And, and Paul, my next question for you is about one of my favorite Bears of all time, Charles Tillman. You know, he was so great on the field, but 
anyone that, that followed in his career knows he was an even better guy off the field. And, and we've been lucky enough at WCG to have covered his charity bowling events a few times in the past. But when you talk to Tillman, you know, you asked him something about other than football. Can you tell that story here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was um, – I'd been to that same event a couple times. And, you know, he does so much good work in the community. And um, I believe it was the second time that I talked to him. And he was telling me about being Mr. Mom and all his transitions to life after football and after retirement. And then he got into acting. And then he also got into commentating. And for all of us who've been there, been on the live, um, when I'm, when there's a hot mic and it's live and we just don't know what to do. <laughs> so, all right, so here's um, what he... I'll, I'll read another passage from that. Live TV is no joke, Peanut said, in regards to his most high-profile post-football endeavor, his analysis work with Fox. I had one O-S-H-I-T moment. <laughs> oh, crap, where I lost my focus and I wasn't paying attention. And Carissa Thompson, one of our hosts, she said something and I was like, huh, 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 huh? <laughs> I had a couple uhs, and I sounded like the biggest village idiot ever, the two-time All-Pro said. Then watching the show, I had to do some coaching on my own, and I ended up picking it up, figuring it out, and I really enjoyed it. I actually thought I was terrible at broadcasting in the beginning, but as the season went on, I got more confident with the flow of television. So then, um, here's the one about his acting, which is... um, you know, it's the summer, so you can always talk about the Sharknado season. <laughs> Ridiculous. So I did a Sharknado, and I was an air traffic controller, and I was so bad in the Sharknado that they cut my line. I'm just going off what I know, and that's how bad I suck, he put it bluntly. Got awful in Sharknado, and it's already a terrible movie. And they caught my line, so that shows you how bad I am. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't realize he, he got his lines cut from the movie. Yeah, I've only seen the clip. Okay. And I thought he was actually a pilot from what I've seen because I kind of, after the second Sharknado, that was enough for me. Oh, you've watched the first two. Look at you. And you're admitting it on, on, on air here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've i never seen any of them. Um, you know, I'm, it's not to say I don't like bad movies. Just those have always escaped me. Um, but since Tillman's in there and he got his line cut, now there's really no point in watching part four. I mean, I I know that there's five, right? I have no idea. I don't know. Do they make another one this year? That uh, would be like they seven, probably, six. They probably seven. did. It's a, one of those straight to sci-fi or Netflix things, and they make money, so they're going to keep rolling with them. See, I, don't, I mean, I'm all about the, like, so bad it's good thing. Yeah. But the whole idea is the novelty is, like, you just – like you do one and then that's I don't know how you can do more than one I think one's enough like once you have a, a sharknado once the sharks are in a tornado where do you go from there exactly alright so hey let's have a little fun with these next few questions is that cool yeah for sure man alright so you've obviously been in media for, for a long time uh, so who is your favorite interview of all time well I'm probably just biased I'm probably going to say Dick Butkus because oh, yeah. Um, or Steve McMichael, because ah. McMichael was one of the first ones where it was during cocktail hour at the College Football Hall yeah. of Fame, and 
he got to like another level that I mean he's already out there as it is, but with Dick Butkus, um, you know, it's because because I mean Butkus was two, right? Peyton was one. Yeah, on the list. Yeah, and that's kind of yeah. I'd, I'd say I go McMichael one, Butkus two, sure. Nice. You know, I was actually going to ask you about McMichael if you didn't mention him because uh, I read that that passage in your book, and you know, he's just whenever he's anywhere, he's always on. Yeah, and I think that's been the key to why we're still talking about him today. Can you imagine if he was around today playing in this day and age with social media, how crazy it would be? Oh, yeah, he'd, he'd be like Gronk at his peak, but yeah. better, I, I think. think he'd be one of the biggest stars of the game today just because of his personality. Yeah, he's a little bit ahead of his time with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. I think social media would definitely amplify him a lot. You know, speaking of McMichaels, we're on a topic – you know, he only made the to two Pro Bowls, but when you look at his numbers, it's ridiculous. He has uh, over ninety sacks as an interior defensive lineman. Um, do you think he's a bit underrated uh, nationally? I think so. I think just because they had so much talent around him with yeah. uh, Richard Dent and Dan Hampton, that people kind of overlook him. And then, I mean, when you, that defense had somewhat, people usually think of Dent and Singletary first. Usually, yeah. He was just such a good football player. It's one of those things where I don't think he'll ever get to his credit he gets. He's obviously never going to get into the Hall of Fame, but but he's one of those 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 Bears legends that he just uh, is always going to be around because of that big personality. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm not going to ask you to name your least favorite interview subject, but but what if I phrase the question uh, who who was the most awkward interview subject you ever had? Well, thanks Otis. Yeah, Otis. <laughs> was it Otis? Otis? <laughs> <laughs> Otis is just like you want to say Bo Jackson or Anthony Rizzo, don't you? <laughs> no, with Anthony Rizzo, he may, I mean, he may be the nicest guy in the world, but it was just a bad combination of the timing and the event and the circumstances and the questions versus my awkwardness with Bo Jackson. Uh, there seems to be a lot out there about Bo Jackson not being a good guy, so that would kind of add up there. And then, of course, Bobby Knight actually slapped me on the back what? and cut me off in the second question. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm, in my book, I reveal the time I was physically assaulted by Bobby Knight. But was this, was this a peak, peak Hoosier days or was this after? No, this was when he was an ESPN analyst. Okay. So this was even after, um, even after Texas Tech. Oh, wow. But he was still surly then too. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it's it's very like there's a section of the book in which I detail my worst misadventures interviewing people, and I list all those guys. But um, but yeah, Bobby Knight was was the worst of the worst because he had like every every Bobby Knight cliche you could ask all happened. Like when I ran into him, he was like surrounded by like these military guys who, who worship him and. Just like, dude, this guy is not. He was. I know his nickname's the general, but he's not a war hero. Yeah. All right, and so. then Jeremy Langford was weird too because Langford, I okay, of, like branded events, those corporate events, and I got there early. They're gonna have like the media before he came out, and then I got there a little bit early, and they just kept pushing it back and pushing it back, and they're just like, he's stuck in traffic, or he's this, or he's this. And I just got up and left. <laughs> You're like, that's enough. 
No, well, because there was like people waiting for him to sign autographs. Oh. It was very, very small, the line, and then... <laughs> very small, the line to get autographs from Jeremy Langford, Bears legend. So I'm just like, well, if there's not many people here who want to get his autograph, how many people are going to read this? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, you got you got you to make your uh, a business decision at that point, so it's time to go. Yeah, I mean, I gave him 90 minutes. Oh, ah, yeah, that's plenty. That's more than I would have gave him. So so, so what's the favorite event you ever covered live? Uh, Rose Bowl, definitely. Rose There's Bowl. no happier place on earth. Really? It's just the, the atmosphere and everything? I mean, it, it's New Year's Day. It's the, the the hope renewal of that. It's, you know, us Midwesterners, you know, come the cold, harsh winter. It's like this escape, the sun-splashed mountains and the palm trees and... You got you got to earn your way there too. It's not, you know, that's we grew up on TV with, you know, you you've got to be the best to get there, and I think that kind of adds to it. And like Kirk Herbstreet said in an interview I did of him, he said the only thing that's missing is Spielberg to be like, okay, we're rolling on this because it, it's Hollywood brought to life. It's majestic. Awesome. Yeah, Otis and Grieve. See, so, so do you have a favorite article you've written? Um, that's oh, a tough one. I know. Question. Yeah, a good question. Um, I'm. You know what? I don't know. I'm just gonna say that in terms of something that's meaningful. Yeah. And in depth, I was the first person to uh, report about Otis Wilson saying he was going to donate his brain to science to help CTE research. Okay. Yeah. That was a big moment when that happened. That was, uh, I mean, back then, you know, it was not really a lot not known about it. I mean, obviously now we know more, but you know, back then that was a pretty big, uh, a big moment. So I would say that could qualify because it was a very meaningful, um, a very meaningful topic. And then the joke that he says, um, He's like, where I'm going, I won't need it. <laughs> That's true. And I'm like, that's me when I look at my Twitter replies from people I don't follow. <laughs> that's what the mute button's for. Yeah, I've, I've gotten the settings for sure. I've, I've used um, uh, writing about soccer as much as I do internationally. I've learned like the different pejoratives and different names for curse words and insults in other languages and cultures that been quite a learning curve really that's a whole other topic so so so, yeah. let's, so let's get a, a little something easier you know who is your all-time favorite chicago bears player oh well walter or yeah. that's he's probably on the top top list of, of anyone that's that's over the age of, of 30 i'd imagine yeah i um he came to my mom's school my mom was a principal uh and the southwest side and i believe he was there to select a Christmas card for his charity foundation and just hanging out all day with everyone. The Walter Payton day uh, was amazing. Just his personality and, and, you know, I see from your avatar and actually, no, I've seen the clips too. I've seen you on sports feed on CLTV. So obviously, you know that uh, Payton Jr. has the same magnetic personality. Oh yeah. He's awesome. Like I, I would say this, uh, both Peyton the younger and uh, and uh, Peyton uh, the, leg- the the legend, the the 
the biggest icon in Bears history. They they share from what I could see, everybody is like they treat everybody like they're their best friend in the room. Yes, I, I I picked that up from Jared too a lot. It was kind of weird the first time I met him. He, that's exactly how he, how he made me feel, and it was like, uh, you know. Then every time I go back and do the show, he's just he's just welcoming. And I mean, the, the whole crew over there, at CLTV is awesome. But yeah, but Jared, Jared's great because you expect you know you're not sure what to expect. I mean, he's you know he's his dad was one of the greatest ever. He's got this big media presence, and and you meet him, and it's just like, what's up? You know, it's cool. Yeah, and then if you ever like go through the studio or like the tunnel in the building, and you see how he relates to everybody else. Yep. It's like, wow, he can. And that's how it was that day at my mom's school. I saw Walter made everybody feel like they were like the only person in the room. It was astounding. You know, I, I met Walter Payton once. I was in high school, and he did a uh, uh, Bears versus versus the, the coaches basketball game this is right after the 85 bears so i'm, I'm going back a ways and and, and the first year that the, the bears did it you know we, of course the, our, our school was packed you know the, we had to open up the top bleachers it was a sold out standing room only and it was all a bunch of the fringe bears which of course i was a hardcore bears fan so i was cool with it but most people weren't happy but then the bears did it again the next year and we maybe sold maybe half the tickets but this time Walter Payton came out, so obviously everyone's pissed off at this time because they missed, you know, one of the greatest of all time. But, but when he was there, our, our head coach at the time, he got us a chance to go into the uh, locker room and and talk to all the Bears players. That was kind of a cool situation. Again, just from that the brief moment there, you could just see how 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 cool he was with everyone he talked to, all all of our us players, all the teachers, all the coaches. It was a really cool moment. Yeah, just just a great guy all around. Okay, so so now we got the Bears player out of the way. Who is your favorite Chicago athlete of all time, not including uh, the, the Bears? Um, I probably Frank Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Even though I'm a Cubs fan, okay. I grew up in Sox country, and I just can't think of anybody who meant as much to a franchise where for so long. Where you just you never wanted to miss an at bat. Yeah. You know, I'm not a White Sox fan. I'm not a Cubs fan either. But I, uh, you know, the White Sox were. I kind of dislike them just for because I'm a Tigers fan. I'll get it out there. But uh, okay. But with for Frank Thomas, he's yeah, one of those guys. I went to a lot of uh, of Tiger Sox games back in that era, and uh, whenever he came up to bat, he always seemed to do something. It was just so frustrating. I think I may have only seen the Tigers win like two or three times during that. During when I was going to those games, and and the Tigers were usually the better team, but for some reason, Frank Thomas, I seen him hit like three or four grand slams. It's like I must see every every one of his home runs that year. Is how it felt to me. Yeah, I mean, when I used to play, I used to imitate his uh, little thing that he does with the bat, where he pushes it off his right shoulder twice before yeah. he swings. And and Rhino, a uh, Ryan Sandberg would be up there too. I mean, that's definitely one of my favorites. But no, but, Sammy Sosa. No, I I never got into the steroid era. Yeah, I had like already kind of my baseball interest kind of had peaked by then, and then they're trying to like draw everyone back in with the with the steroid era and the home run chase. But nah. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't asking Cubs or Sox. But you answered that Cubs, obviously. Are, are yeah. you a Bulls fan as well? Uh not really. Okay, so you run the gambit of most of Chicago sports. You're kind of more of a, a casual fan than the others. Yeah, the Bulls are just a money laundering industry to me. More. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was really big to the Bulls. I, I never missed a game back in the. Like I said, I, I already dated myself, so you know, of course, the Jordan era was incredible, and 
But the last few years, I just I have no interest in watching them, and, and it's it's crazy because I was such a huge NBA fan, and and, and the, what the Bulls have done recently with with Paxson and and Foreman, it's like the product's unwatchable because you know there's no hope for them because they just they run the team they're, they're inept. Yeah, that's that's you you hit the nail on the head. In fact, the only reason I've ever stayed as interested in the Bulls to the small level that I have is because of my nieces and nephews and taking the games, but the tickets are so expensive yeah. and they're, they're so bad that yeah. it's not worth it. And then from the media side, they put you up in the hockey press box and I'm like, why would I bother? I can't see crap up here in the hockey press box and they treat the media rather poorly. And yeah, I'm, I'm, that's one thing I, I root for in America is meritocracy and, one thing I root against is people who just fail upward or don't get consequences for their actions. Yeah. And the Gar Packs, I mean, wow. Can you imagine being as bad at your job and not getting canned as these guys are at theirs? They get rewarded. Yeah, Paxton got kicked upstairs. Yeah, crazy. So, so the book is titled "No, I Can't Get Your Free Tickets." And, and Paul, can you let our listeners know where they can find the book? Yes, it's available on Amazon, both in paperback and in Kindle. And it's a book that's classified in sports industry, and it covers a wide array of to- a wide array of topics, a wide array of sports. But it's definitely a Bears heavy book, and yes. there's more Bears material than anything else. And I believe there's interviews with or features on about 12 to 15 Bears players on the 100 list. So check it out. I, I concur. I actually read all the Bears portions of the book, so it is very Bears heavy. And also to let our listeners know where they can find all of your work. Yes. Uh, sportsbank.net is my main website where all my work goes. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Paul M. Banks. Um, no, I can't get you free tickets. We just covered that. Um, I also am part of the SB Nation family. Uh, I do a podcast called Let's Get Weird Sports, where we focus on, um, it's kind of like an American sports history podcast. Uh, like today, we reposted the one where we, on Disco Demolition Night, because we're recording on uh, Disco Demolition Turns 40. Yeah. So you can find that on, on uh, SB Nation's produce site, Hammer and Rail, so... So, Lester, you and I have the same corporate parent. We do. We're both part of the uh, Vox Media family. Yep. Awesome. Hey, Paul, thanks again for jumping out with me. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks again for having me. All right, thanks. Wow, that was the longest interview I've ever done here on T-Formation Conversation. You know, Paul just has so many cool stories that I could have just kept this thing going on even longer. But make sure you guys do go out and get his book. Uh, like I said, it's called No, I Can't Get Your Free Tickets. Uh, just a really good read. Uh, Chicago stuff in there, a lot of Chicago stuff, a lot of national stuff. So make sure you check that out for sure. But before I sign off here, I do want to get to a couple quick questions I got off of Twitter. And, and first up is Terrence J. Nows. He asked me, how long of a Super Bowl window are the Bears looking at right now? You know, honestly, I think there are two windows here. Uh, one is real, and then that's the time that it has for with Mitch Trubisky is on his rookie contract because, as a franchise, you have more money to play play with to pay other guys uh, to upgrade other positions, and, and it's just a fact of the uh, the finances of the NFL. When the quarterback gets his big money, you know you lose some st- what you can do with your other positions. So as long as Trubisky's on the rookie deal, which is a, a three more years. 
I think that's a definite solid window, especially with the Bears' defense, how it is. But once you pay him, the window is going to start to shrink, unless, and this is a big unless, uh, unless Trubisky develops like the Bears feel he can and becomes a guy that can win games for you. I hope he's on that path. I think he's on that path, but we got to see it happen before we know for sure. Um, if he does that, then this window is going to be open as long as the quarterback is playing it at a high level. Uh, the NFL is always going to be about the quarterback, and if Trubisky is the man, uh, the Bears will be okay, and their window is going to last as long as he lasts. Uh, one more here, uh, at Bears Defense asked, uh, what key things will we be looking for in camp to see where Mitch has taken that next step? You know, this is a tough one because until there's a real live rush against them, um, it's hard to know how he'll react to pressure uh, and, of course, seeing different coverage from different teams. But, but from our perspective of watching him at Bourbon A, uh, it'll be how crisp he is throwing the ball, his decisiveness during the drills um, when they do it 11-11 and 7-7. Seven seven. Uh, just kind of watching what he does, uh, how his mechanics look, you know, where he is as far as the ball coming out of his hands. You know, Also, seeing his ability to hit the top of his drop and let the ball fly is a big deal, too. You know, the West Coast offense is still a timing-based O. So when the QB takes his three-step, five-step drop or, or his roll after play action, that's when the ball is supposed to come out. You know, defenses don't always cooperate with that, obviously, so he'll have uh, to move through his progressions. But we're looking at Trubisky trying to be on time with his passes, and if that's what's going on here, then we know he has the uh, the, the level 202 of the Bears offense, like Coach Matt Nagy says. Also, if you haven't yet, check out the latest Brett Coleman video I shared on WCG. It actually points out some of the fundamental issues that he spotted with Trubisky, and I think it's a very fair uh, look at the Bears quarterback. And speaking of training camp, if you have not, um, if you're not aware yet, uh, we a bunch of us are going to be in Bourbon A uh, at Olivet Nazarene University. So make sure you're on the lookout for a bunch of us WCG writers as we'll be there. Um, my podcast ch- colleagues, Robert Schmitz, uh, EJ Snyder, Jeff Burkus, they're actually going to rent a house down there. They'll be there for the first three days of camp, opening weekend. I'll be there. I think Robert Zaglinski will be there. Ken Mitchell will be there. Patty Curl should be there. And probably a few others I'm forgetting. So if you see us down there, make sure you say hi. But that's all she wrote. Uh, thanks for listening to T-Formation Conversation on the Windy City Gridiron Podcast channel. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our channel and give us the uh, highest of ratings because uh, that's a big deal these days. Uh, check out all my stuff at WCG and follow me on the Twitter at WiltfongJR so you never miss anything I do. And until next time, bear down, my friends.